Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Military Monkey shares his winding path from West Point to serving in the Army for over five years. Hear what happened on his birthday when he was stationed in Afghanistan, when he thought an MBA might be a good idea, and how he broke into a top bulge bracket bank as an associate with no previous technical background. Also, pay special attention to how he approached his role as a post-MBA associate in IB to be successful. Enjoy. All right, Military Monkey, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. It's great to be here. So it'd be awesome if you could just start off by giving the listeners a short summary of your bio. Sure. So I was um, born and raised in Western Pennsylvania and uh, at an early age, really, I guess the crucible event was 9-11, but at an early age, I wanted to go into the military and serve the country. And um, and that kind of that led me to to West Point, which was, uh, which was once I got in, it was a no-brainer to attend. Um, I, I, I was very set, uh, at a young age on doing that. So I, um, did the four years of West Point and majored in, um, civil, it was a combination of civil engineering and then, um, project management. And, uh, and then from there I branched into the army infantry and, uh, was at a number of, of military bases, um, did the, the, the ranger school thing, um, served in Afghanistan. And, uh, and I had a wonderful time. Um, and I, I, I was in charge of units ranging from, you know, platoon of 40 soldiers to, um, serving as an operations officer of 2,500. So, uh, it was, um, I, I feel like I got to see the gamut from tactical all the way up to strategic, which was, um, which was pretty cool. And then from there, I decided to, um, uh, transition and moved I wanted to get my MBA. So I went to, to MIT Sloan and, and, uh, during the summer interned at, um, at my current bulge bracket bank and, um, and I'm there to this day. So, uh, I'm an associate in the group right now and enjoying it. Very cool. Let's start all the way back. Kind of even before when you said, you know, nine 11, you bring me back. I was in, um, I was in college. Where were you? How old, how old are you around? When that happened, uh, I was 12 years old. Wow. So pretty 12 years old. So I'm sure it left a really big impact. Tell me a little bit about, you know, you said it was a no brainer when you got in to go. Was it because of like, you knew the military was like, you just had wanted to kind of serve for a long time. And that was, yeah, I had, some, I, I had some family members and some, um, some experiences with West Point grads as well. And, uh, I mean, during your formative years, there's nothing like going to a service academy and getting that type of development. 
Uh, it makes the rest of the world a lot. I mean, honestly, it makes a lot of what you do in finance feel pretty easy, um, which is, which is nice um, because it's just about grit. And so I think they really instill that in you. Um, But the, uh, really the catalyst was, was some of my family members I spoke with and, and I was looking for an opportunity to serve in the greatest capacity possible at the youngest age possible. And, uh, and that it was very clear that that was by going into the army. Um, uh, so hence West point. And then tell me a little bit about, you know, how listeners should think maybe they're kind of making this decision. How, how should listeners think about, you know, going to a West point, like, obviously that's like the hub versus going to like doing some sort of ROTC program or at, and like, isn't there, there's other ways to kind of be involved. Right. And then potentially mm-hmm. so how, what's the yeah. difference? Like for somebody who doesn't really understand it, like me, what's the difference? So I, I think, I think the difference is, is you can have, um, you know, you can, you can have like a, uh, a fairly normal experience by going through the ROTC process. You still get the normal college experience. Um, and I, and I would say you're like half in half out. Um, whereas at West Point, it, it is 100, there are no fraternities. There's no, I mean, you're, you're, I, I think the consequences for doing what I, what I think most people do to blow off steam in college are a little bit more severe at a service academy. I, I know that they are. Um, and, and so you're, you're really uh, fully immersed in the lifestyle. And so I, I would say because of that, it gives you this baseline ability to understand leadership. Um, and at which I, I've actually over, over you know, the last 10 years have, um, have benefited greatly from. So tell me a little bit about just as you're going through, uh, through West Point, through the undergrad program, I know rig- academically it's very rigorous, right? Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and how you balanced, you know, whatever the roles they were. I mean, what was the life? I mean, maybe if you, if you can share, what was the life like? Obviously, academically very rigorous. I'm sure you're doing a lot of work, but were they just mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, I don't know. What are you able to share yeah. that, 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 that you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, I, I mean, what I, th- I think, you know, if, if there's, an actual science to um, ensuring that you understand leadership, West Point has found it. I mean, it's a, a fantastic institution. People always say it's a great place to be from mm-hmm. um, rather than a great place to be at. Um, but the as a, uh, there, there's very clear developmental phases and it starts at the plebe year, your freshman year, mm-hmm. and they teach you how to be a follower. They basically strip you of all autonomy. Got it. Um, to the point where you can't talk outside. And and then from there, you, you step into, uh, in your sophomore year, managing like an individual. And then from there, your junior and senior year, you'll be managing anywhere from, um, you know, maybe, I guess, 10 to 15 cadets all the way up to um, the entire core of cadets, which is a, a, about 4,400. So they really develop you. Um, and, and it's like, it's a, it's a, a very um, controlled environment. And then in terms of the lifestyle, they, they evaluate you in, in three pillars, and that's going to be academic, military, and physical. Mm-hmm. And you actually have military classes, military science, you have military training on, in, during the summers in particular. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the physical, you know, you have to take boxing as a, as a freshman. Um, and they make, you, they make sure you know what it's like to get hit in the face. Yeah. Um, you have to take some, like... Uh, I mean, essentially what is like functional fitness classes mm-hmm. um, and, and you're, you're ranked against your peers and 
um, and you come out at the end with a class ranking, which essentially determined back when I was there, it determined your fate. There was nothing more. Uh, interesting. So it was, it was very, it was a very so interesting the, time. The physical, not your academic, the physical ranking determined your, determined your fate in what sense, in terms of what types of, what types of, yeah. uh, your leadership so it, or it, level in, in the army. Yeah, so it would have been, it's a combination of those three pillars, the academic, physical, and Got military, it. that all co- provide this composite score. And then the that composite score ultimately will determine what branch you get mm-hmm. in the in the army. So, you know, infantry, field artillery, aviation, whatever. And it will also determine where you go as your first duty assignment. And, and that, so are there, um, tell me about like, are there, if you can share, are there certain areas like people do all people want to do aviation do all people want to do other stuff what, mm-hmm. what's the like i think it i think it it's um it's kind of based on the climate so i think when uh when the wars in iraq and afghanistan were at their peaks mm-hmm. you saw a lot of a lot of cadets wanted to go into the infantry um mm-hmm. myself included yeah and um i i think you also see a lot of people gravitate towards aviation um, and it's, I mean, it's just an awesome job. You know, I always wish I had been a pilot. Um, but they, uh, I, I would say that those are probably still to this day, two of the most in demand branches, yeah. um, coming out of West Point. Are you allowed to share what your rank was coming out of your, out of your class? Oh yeah. I was, uh, I was sitting pretty in, in like the 400 range. So at, it was, at a, uh, at least per, out of about a thousand. Okay. About nice. a thousand. Yeah. Nice. I'm so, not. So like for, for, I, I will say for anyone listening, like I did not have an immaculate GPA. I had a, like a solid B to B plus GPA. And I was uh, very content with that. And so is, is there great inflation there or is that like really good? Or is that, is, is it more like, um, were you above average on the, I, I just, I'm curious, were you above average on like the physical and then like the or super above average on military below average on the physical and slightly above average academically? Like, is that fair? So I, yeah, I, I was good physically and, and uh, militarily. I, I, I was, do, I was doing well on those pillars. It was the academics that just, <laughs> uh, you know, you have to, you saw, I, and it's like, you know, I, I hate the feeling, but it's like almost everywhere I go, regardless of how, how, um, you know, how, how challenging the circumstances are. There's always someone that's getting an A plus yeah. always. And it's, yeah. um, it, it shocks me. So uh, yeah, there were people walking out with a four, three that were top 10 in my class and um, they're doctors now. So <laughs> yeah. Fair. So that's okay. life. So you're kind of getting through this year as you, you kind of approaching your senior year. Um, you're kind of getting a better sense of like where you rank and all this stuff as mm-hmm. it goes along and you, um, Tell me about kind of that for, I know you can't go into too much detail, but like you, you were in the army for a good five plus years. Right. So tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about, um, just the, the evolution of that, um, how you started kind of managing larger teams and, and just mm-hmm. any leadership, uh, guidance for people kind of that are going to, and did you ever think at that, at what point was finance even on the radar and MBA even on the radar? I'd love to hear that. That, that was your five. Um, but I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I will say, I will say that, and and all too often, I, I I think I see the the opposite happening. But regardless of whether someone's going to the military or going into finance, you have you have to enter with with strong humility, and 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 I think, and it's not like it. Uh, 
self-deprecating humility. It's, it's, a, it's the type of humility that, uh, and this is what they teach at West Point in that first year. They teach you how to be a follower. And like no associate, like post-MBA associate going into a bulge bracket bank should be showing up to immediately feel like, they, like they're leading. I, I mean, they need to sit there and absorb, learn the culture, learn the people. And so that would be my, my biggest piece of advice. And that's what, you know, when you enter the military, you have a platoon sergeant who's been in the army for about 17 years, but technically you're in charge of him. But it's like, you know, that's an interesting dynamic. And I was always told when you show up, spend like three months just getting the lay of the land, getting to know people, help, helping them understand who you are mm-hmm. so that whenever it's time for you to start giving guidance, um, they're following you and they respect you because getting getting buy-in is the step that so many people miss all too often for sure yeah and i can tell you a lot of post mba associates don't get that <laughs> mm-hmm. so tell me and I, I agree. tell me a little bit about so you're as you're kind of going through through your your career we'll call it at the army and tell me about like any any funny stories you can share any scary stories you're allowed to share um for the audience yeah. Okay. All right. So this, this was a good one, but I was in, um, I was in Afghanistan with my platoon and I was with, um, probably in total, we had 40 soldiers and we were living in this, in like this tent structure. Um, but it was built up enough that it had, uh, you know, like portable fire alarms in it just to make sure that, you know, if we got rocketed or if, if someone, you know, burn their popcorn or something that the fire alarm's going to go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my birthday and my soldiers, uh, attacked me. Like they, I mean, they physically attacked me on my birthday. Um, and I fought back as aggressively as I could. Um, but it, it was like 30 against one and they threw me in a chair and then duct tape me completely to this chair. And then, and, and we're on call for, to, to go on, like to on standby for missions in the event that we need to, um, and you're the boss to launch. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm attached to this chair and they shove me in this dark room oh, and then yeah. just shut the door and lock the door. And also I couldn't speak. Um, and so I'm just sitting there and eventually, uh, one of this, one of the senior non-commissioned officers comes in and, and lets me up. And no, no missions happened, nothing like that. So it was all good. So fast forward like three hours and I sat there by myself, just thinking about how am I going to get back at these soldiers? All of them were sitting in this one room um, and they were doing this like mock board promotion board. And I figured, you know, there's a little gap under the door. um, And I was right next to a fire extinguisher. And so I took the fire extinguisher hose and I discharged an entire fire extinguisher in, into a confined area um, with my soldiers uh, sitting there. I mean, they could obviously get out very easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but what I didn't realize was there was a fire alarm in there. Oh, my God. Which instantly, instantly went off. And this, that section of our base was shut down <laughs> while we had to. Um, <laughs> you know, allow the, the clear. local fire departments oh to come in and try to figure out what was going on. So it was, uh, it was a total mess, but it was, uh, it was one of those experiences. Um, it, they gave me an incredible nickname 
Um, and, uh, <laughs> it was a bonding experience for sure. But I, I mean, those are the, it's your birthday, so you can't get in trouble. <laughs> I, I couldn't, but, um, but I, I, I never lived it down to this day. I never haven't lived it down. So, That's so funny. So, okay. So you said it was late kind of before you even thought of an MBA. Tell me about what yeah. kind of put it on your radar. Um, to go MBA, why MBA? Why not something else? Why not just come back and figure it out? Or maybe you did so, come back and figure it out. So I think, I think when when service members decide that they want to transition, they um, they it, it's I mean that's a major decision because you know nothing else, especially if you're coming from West Point. Um, and then yeah, all it's almost of a sudden, a, it's almost a decade. It's almost a decade. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, so you don't know anything, you don't even understand what the civilian world is. And when you think about transitioning, you not only have to manage the actual transition process, which is incredibly cumbersome, um, but you also have to try to figure out what job you're going to get on the back end. And um, I actually believe that there's no better way for, for service members to transition other than going, going back to school. Um, You know, assuming that they've accrued their, their education benefits, um, like the GI Bill, um, going back to school is a wonderful way for them to buy more time to really explore themselves and figure out what they want to do. So if you so, say, if you're in the army long enough, they cover your MBA basically. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really, um, and, and I'm like very passionate about this, especially not, not as much for officers, but for enlisted soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will always pick up the phone to speak with a veteran and I speak with some enlisted soldiers who it's like, once you've done your first three-year contract, your initial three-year contract, uh, they have a hundred percent GI bill. And so they get yellow ribbon on top of that, which essentially means, uh, you know, there, there are a ton of schools that are going to cover every cent on the dollar for your wow. education. And, um, and there's, there's really, I mean, that's such a good way. I mean, when you think about where these where these um, soldiers are coming from, too, some of them come from such disadvantaged areas. Um, and it's just w- such a wonderful benefit for them to really close the gap and and be competitive in whatever industry they decide. Is there is there coverage of just tuition? So like if somebody was coming out and they had, do they give any sort of stipend for living as well? Like if the person really came from nothing? Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. So they'll give you it's yeah, they call it um BAH, which is essentially a uh prorated housing allowance. Cool. And um it is, you know, I, I can't speak uh you know more positively about the the GI Bill, the vocational rehab um for the dis- anyone that has a disability rating. Um it is it is invaluable and and I encourage every single veteran to uh to maximize that benefit for the for their for themselves. So you're kind of coming out and at this point where were you know, you had done a couple, you'd done a tour and you'd come mm-hmm. back and then you were doing more training and operations in your last stint. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was here. In the that US. was, that was, yeah, that I was in the, um, I was in the South, I was stationed in the South. And then the, um, I, I was, I was in an operations officer for a brigade and I was working all of the, um, uh, you know, part of, part of the brigade had been deployed, um, a, a small part of it. And then the rest was, was back home. And, um, and so I was basically managing all the training that was happening at home. Um, and then, 
liaising with the um with it was basically like some a small contingent of the senior leadership that was over in Afghanistan and ensuring that they were up to speed on what was going on. Got it. So at that at what point during that kind of year were you like the MBA is happening? I guess probably right when you were starting it, right? Because you have to apply here yeah. earlier or whatever. Yeah, I so I I was, was investment banking on the radar at all? Did you even know what investment mm-hmm. banking was or what did you no, talk to people? Def- My first priority was I, I I was compartmentalizing hard and it was just about like let me do this next step first and make that happen. Okay. And I was uh I didn't know what I wanted to wanted to do. I did feel like I needed some technical skills. And um I, I wanted to leave because as you get more senior in the military, you become further and further removed from the enlisted soldiers. And the enlisted soldiers are the, are the lifeblood of the military. I mean, they are the best people I've ever met in my life. I love them to death. And, uh, and they deserve the world, in my opinion. And um, I didn't want to be in leadership roles where I was continuing to get further and further removed from them to the point where I wasn't even interacting with them on a daily basis. So I, I went in. Uh, I, I decided to go to MIT because I felt like it had the strong technical pedigree as well as, um, you know, just a strong MBA program. And, and all the vets that I was communicating with all said, you know, just get into the best program that you can. And then from there, see what types of jobs are being offered. So if you didn't, know, so, what, if you didn't know what investment banking was, recruiting happened so fast. Tell me what it was like those first few months on campus. And like, was it yeah. like, was it like, uh oh, <laughs> was it, how did you, how did you guys, like, yeah. How did you kind of get up to speed and even survive these interviews? Yeah. So we, we started, uh, you know, I, I think official on campus recruiting started October 1st. Um, but when I got out of the military, I got out in, in, um, I guess it was July. Um, when I got out, I spent a lot of time just trying to research what I wanted to get into. And I was leaning towards finance because a lot of veterans who I really respected were were actually in finance. Mm-hmm. And so I was um, gauging industries based on who 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 has the coolest veterans, in, in my opinion. Um, and so these these guys that were in finance, I, I spoke with them for probably two months. And then when it came time for formal recruiting, um, I did a lot of exploration of different industries. And uh, I kept coming back to finance and, um, oh, so did you and that like kind market? of just, did you look at like marketing? What else? Corp, like more corp. Thin yeah. I, I looked at, you know, with that, with MIT, they're uh, recruiting like big tech recruits yeah. heavily from there, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I definitely explored that a little bit. I explored a lot of, um, I was actually really interested in some of the consumer companies that were coming on campus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really do too much off-campus recruiting. Um, it wasn't until I really decided the industry where I, I started branching out a little bit more. But I used the on-campus uh, recruiting um, as a way to explore and just have coffee chats with these different companies. And so it, I didn't really have to buckle down until probably November. So I got a solid month of just back-to-back coffee chats with and those co- those coffee chats are actually helpful for someone like you who actually you're you're actually learning these coffee chats and you're not it's not just a networking mm-hmm. exercise for you where you're trying to and i'll people. be honest like you know i i mean the depth of those conversations they were very superficial and yeah. and you know it was um you know please don't try to sell me on anything please just tell me what you do yeah and um 
and it, it was challenging. Uh, you know, I, uh, again, a lot of it, I had to, I, I made a lot of decisions based on, did I feel like I clicked with the single individual that was representing that company or not? Mm-hmm. And that was, um, it was, it was challenging, but, um, it was the only way I knew how to get get around it. And I think every veteran feels that challenge as well. So tell me how things progressed. Did you have like a lot of first run? So then the actual interview, the coffee chats ended and then the, you know, the recruiting started. And then tell me what happened with like, you did the on-campus recruiting. Is, do you just start dropping your resume? And then how many first round interviews do you have? Do you start striking out? Did you make it to final rounds on all of them? Oh. What was, the, what was the, like the hit rate and all that good stuff? Well, we talked about humility earlier, so I'll just throw this out there. I and my girlfriend had to live live through this with me. Um, I probably submitted my resume because you could just click a button yeah. for on-campus recruiting, and it was and um, and so I probably submitted my resume to maybe thirty-five to forty different places, and it was like, oh, this company is kind of cool. Like I've heard of them in the past. I never met them, but um, and I'd submit the resume. And I got shut down so hard in the initial, you know, like, I guess it's three to four weeks. Um, I got shut down so hard because I had never gone to the coffee chats. Um, I was always kind of leaning towards finance. And so these consumer companies, um, they just, they, they sh- <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I, I remember, I, yeah, I remember one, one job in particular, it was, uh, I saw it, it was for Dis- uh, some, some job at Disney. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, Disney World's like my favorite place in the entire world. <laughs> and they just, it was like within two days, I got a rejection. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to get a job for the rest of my life now. So, um, but what I do want to say is, in terms of the finance, though, recruiting for finance, I, um, I did have someone, a mentor at a, um, a boutique firm mm-hmm. who was a veteran. Mm-hmm. And I owe everything to him. And he took me under his wing and he trained me on technicals. He gave me uh, all the mock interviews that I could, I, I could have needed. He, he gave me the very realistic down and dirty on banking as well. So I did not walk in um, uh, without yeah. understanding what I was getting into. So um, I, owe, I owe a lot to him. I owe a lot to, to my MBA program as well. But that was- What did uh, he tell you? Basically, it's going to be long nights. It's going to be really tough yeah. as an associate coming in. The analysts won't respect you. They're just going to be annoyed by you. <laughs> like, what did he tell you? Essentially, yeah, essentially, it's going to be the military. I mean, it, it was it was the exact same thing. You're going to work with people that have more experience than you, but you're you're expected to manage them. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're going to work in, in an environment where you know, a lot of things are in your control and and you can follow the status quo or you can get creative and, and make it innovative. And if you make it innovative, you can actually, you know, you can go to bed at, at a reasonable hour. Um, I, I, to this day, I don't know why he did this for me. Um, and, but he is, uh, you know, he gave, he gave me everything I absolutely could have needed to, to make the right decision. And so when you started getting, you did the, a lot of the coffee chats for the finance firm. So did you land a lot of first round interviews or five or, three yeah. or how many? Yeah, I would say, I would say I probably, I probably did um, five to six first round wow. interviews. How many, yeah. And how they, many super days did you get to? Um, it would have been three, three, three super days. Pretty good. The, um, you convert them all well, or I'm, you got one and said, that's it. I'm, I'm taking the offer. 
I knew that once, yeah, once I got that bank, it was, uh, it, it was a done deal. And, yeah. um, and because that was my target from the get go. So, um, I, you know, I during the recruiting process, I was a little caught off guard by, by the variety of interviews that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some were very behavioral, whereas others were like, it was like a 30 minute case study on some complex merger. Um, and, and obviously those were the ones that I did not get a super day after, but it uh, was interesting. Really focused on the, where do you say the boutique banks were a little more technical than the bulge brackets? Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it, and it was, um, like the Evercores of the world, the Molises, those, those types mm-hmm. of Exactly. And it, and it just caught me off guard. You know, I like everyone tries to, tries to read the blogs and, and you try to get a feel for it. Um, and I read some horror stories about those banks, uh, in their first rounds. And I, um, I, I, I discounted it a lot and I, sh- I shouldn't have, I, I just wasn't ready, frankly. So yeah. it's tough to get ready without that technical background, you know? Um, and they also recruit earlier. And so I didn't yeah. have, I mean, two weeks makes a big difference in tech technical prep. Huge difference. Huge difference. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, the first interviews are always the worst, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you get the offer, you do the, inter- tell, tell me a little bit about the difference between like the internship and the real job. So like you go in for as yeah. a summer associate at this bold bracket bank, you know, well-respected and you're like, it's a little bit of a wine and dine, like there's yeah. some fun, there's some fun associated with it and going out. And it must be great because it's a little bit of a continuation of like MBA your first mm-hmm. year, like having, having some of that freedom that you hadn't tasted in a while. Tell me a little bit about yeah. like, did you get a sense? Like, I know you had a little bit of a warning, but did you get a sense of what the, the actual job would be like from those, those three months? I would say uh, to a degree. Yeah. Um, and, and especially now that I've um, had my own interns, um, I see how, like, I do see how, how they are, they're protected a little bit because it is, I mean, it's still a client relationship and it's kind of, it's kind of rough saying here's, here's a temporary employee that's right. now covering your account. And, um, like, we don't really know much about them. They don't know <laughs> anything about you. They haven't worked on your account at all. Um, but I would say that, uh, my firm was very, very good about giving me autonomy wherever, um, wherever I felt like I could succeed. And they would push me to the point where it was, you know, I, I, I was always challenged, but I was never overcome um, or overwhelmed. Um, and so, so the internship was, was, was great. I mean, there were a lot more social events over the summer too. And yeah. obviously we didn't have a pandemic going on. Um, so it was great to interact with, with both the senior and junior bankers full-time. Tell, tell um, me about your progression with the analysts, like your relationship. I know it yeah. sounds like you had the right, the right mindset of just trying to like learn from them first and then. Yeah. Gradually. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the analysts, I, I, I still remember my, my, num- my number one connection um, uh, from day one of my internship was with a second year analyst at, at, at my firm. And um he was incredibly experienced, great at modeling, and I didn't even know what our our deal was, but I I knew that you know, this company wanted to go public, and uh, and you know I saw him in Excel, so I figured I might as well try to learn Excel because um, I really had never used it before, and uh, he he was so patient with me. He took the time to really 
uh, ensure that that I was understanding of everything that was going on. I also had a very positive um, and and like developmentally focused um, associate who who held my hand, and that was on the same team. So I I was so lucky to get this this associate and analyst pairing, um, and they uh, they they showed me exactly they showed me like this is what the what the job can be. You're just not going to do it right now because number one, you're an intern and two, it's, um, you know, it's on a tight deadline. So what about specifically, uh, once you started like that relationship with, with, um, analysts and tell me about like the the evolution of that. Like when you first, like those first three, two, three months where you're kind of drinking from a fire hose, how you're trying to add value. So for other MBAs that are kind of going into this blind, going into banking and maybe they're the military, maybe not, maybe they've done consulting pre-MBA or something. And they're kind of a little bit nervous. What do you, what would you say is like the biggest shock? Um, and, and, and you're talking now full-time, full-time. starting full-time. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so the biggest, I, again, my firm is very good at ramping you up. I yeah. think, yeah. um, I, I was also, my firm was very conscious of pairing me with senior associates and analysts uh, who I had worked with during my internship, okay. which was huge. That is huge. And so I had like having the pre-existing relationships, I was able to step foot into, you know, it was relatively new deals. Like, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the client at all, but um, uh, I, had, I had already formed the relationship. And that was my goal during the internship is like, this is relationship building. This is not like, let me see how many deals I can close as an intern. And, um, and so I, that was, that was very helpful, but yeah, in the first three months I was drinking from a fire hose. I, I probably still am, um, mm-hmm. you know, a year and a half later. And, uh, but I 100% of the time I, I was focused on listening to the analyst and, and, and it's with, with a healthy amount of, you know, managerial ears, you, you know, like, it's not like you're getting manipulated by the analyst so that everyone can go to bed at at 8 PM. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like, you're listening to the analysts to really gauge what, you know, what is their, what are they doing? How are they contributing to the team? How do they expect an associate to contribute to the team and how do you manage down while also managing up Mm -hmm. as an associate? Um, which is, you know, it's still in my, in my eyes, the most challenging thing to do. Yeah. I think it's a brutal position for, if you don't have strong communication skills, it's like you get eaten alive in that job. And, and where, and I think too many people, too many people look up and never look down. Right. And so you're leaving your, your most valuable asset, which is your analyst. I mean, on every team, again, it's like the military, the the enlisted soldiers are the lifeblood of the military. The analysts are really the lifeblood of of investment banking. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, you're leaving them behind. Uh, If you, if you're not willing to make sure that you're communicating up, you know, how they should be be you know what what they want and and how they're how they can be managed better and uh, you know that kind of stuff it goes a really long way so do you think you're going to be a lifer <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> all the way up through md have, partner what do you what, you know one of those people I, are you know what's the thought i mean because it, you it's been a year and a half i'm sure you've worked long hours do you feel like you're like getting your feet under you finally like feeling good you got yeah. the reps and stuff 
Yeah, I, I feel very, I feel you know very confident in in my role. Um, very confident in client communication, which seems to be some kind of threshold where people are allowed to advance. It's like once you can send an email to a client, you can go forward. Yeah. Um, but like I feel I do feel very comfortable in in my position. Um, you know what I can say is every day is a little bit different. Every That's day cool. presents new challenges. Um, the last year since COVID, we've had more business than ever. And uh, it has been nonstop. I've heard um, the associates at the beginning just completely obliterated. Wrecked. Every single person I talk to that's an associate is like, I don't sleep. Like just, I mean, yeah. the analysts, I think everybody's just, you know, I'm seeing it in the forums a lot. It's just people are almost too, almost it's getting really bad because you don't have the camaraderie as much, you know? Yeah. Um, people aren't. That was taking, the best part. Yeah, people aren't taking the time to be like, you know, while you're waiting for a turn to bullshit with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you it's know, exactly it's just, right. It's tough. It's a little more lonely. It's uh, I'm used to it. I've been doing this for a decade, um, working from home. So um, for other people, yeah. I can see it. It's it's tough. Um, so before we call it, I think just I missed one part was just the transition from the internship to to offer. Were you ever nervous that you were not going to get a return offer? Um. Uh, you know, it, it was, I was just nervous. So I, you, I didn't get an offer the last day of my internship, which I was expecting for 90% of my internship. Mm-hmm. And, and they just didn't give offers. The, the way they do it is they give offers probably a week later. Yeah. Um, I, I was, we, what we were very good about having these weekly check-ins with our managers and, uh, and they would say you're on track. Okay. So I wasn't caught off guard at all. But that week was gruesome. I mean, it was it was painful just sitting there and waiting to get a phone call. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, when it when it came, I I, I was incredibly happy. I, I essentially uh, accepted on the spot, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer. But uh, awesome. yeah, it, I, it wasn't too nerve wracking. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people. It can be, I mean, cause it's, it's not like a hundred percent slam dunk, right? It's like 70 to 90% typically from what I've seen. I would say, I would say that's very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little nerve, it's a little nerve wracking. Cause you know, you don't get that off. Imagine, imagine you don't get that. And then you have to go back to recruiting. It's like, yeah. And, and, and I can say like the archetype of someone that doesn't get an offer is, is the person that buries their face in some model or, you know, some work stream associated with a deal. And doesn't take the time to look up and form relationships. Yeah. I mean, this is this is all client relationships. It's all relationships in the office. That's why people are getting slammed right now. It's because <laughs> like I don't talk to anyone all day outside of like Zoom calls, mm-hmm. um, and and so there always has to be a purpose for us to get on a Zoom call. Right. So it is um, it, it, it's different, but relationships are everything in the in this game, and uh, I, I think it should be highly highly coveted uh, as an intern, especially. Yeah, for sure. Anything else you'd like to share before we call it? Any final words of um, wisdom? No, I mean, if, to, to any veteran out there that's listening, though, I, I, I would say uh, if you haven't, if you haven't given a lot of thought to finance, um, you know, please do and reach out to any veteran that you can find on LinkedIn um, that works in finance, because they will give you a very candid perspective and they will, they will, hold your hand throughout the way. Cause I wouldn't be here without the mentorship that I got. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to share your wisdom.
Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.